podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So it's uh, all for play for still? I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hi, villains, and welcome to For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast with your two Irish hosts, Paddy and Neil. We're back again, tingling with excitement. We have our first Premier League game. It's uh, it's kind of actually mad to think that we're 10th in the league and you've got zero games played, zero goals conceded, zero <laughs> goals scored, and zero points. Yet we're still 10th in the league, ahead of Man United uh, <laughs> and, and, and the likes, yeah? So if we can stay, stay that way for the rest of the season, we'd be absolutely, uh, I suppose, we'd be absolutely thrilled at the end of the season. But um, we're here to talk to you about the Sheffield United game, obviously coming up on Monday night. And um, yeah, it's like there's lots of positivity about the club and can't really wait to see what, uh, what way this team plays on Monday. But Paddy, how are you doing today? And, uh, you know, what's your feelings on, uh, on, on the, this weekend that we've had of football so far and, and what lays in store on, Mon- on Monday? Yeah, it seems to be, um, feels a bit like Christmas Eve, but it's, uh, it's taken a long time to come around, especially when the match was moved to a Monday as well. So, mm. um, just really looking forward to seeing this team getting out and seeing what way we're we're shaping up. Um, I don't think we'll see Traore unless he was signed as you, as you say early on uh, Friday, um, which we don't know and it hasn't been confirmed. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be really interesting. I think we I think we need to to get off to a good start, and I think it's a good enough chance for us to uh, to go and get something for a game. So. Um, yeah, really looking forward to it now. Yeah, it will be interesting. You mentioned there about Bertrand Traore, and uh, I think he kind of might have given the go away in his uh, in his speech, his uh, whatever his interview speech, whatever you want to call it. And he mentioned that he only has a few days to go before uh, he gets to taste action or gets to at least have the chance to line up for Aston Villa. And obviously, we announced his signing Saturday morning, but as we know, Premier League rules are. Maybe we don't know, but as 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 I've read, <laughs> should I say, in Premier League rules, uh, that uh, he need would have needed to be signed by twelve p.m. midday on the last working day before that game week starts. So that would mean he would have had to sign on the dotted line on Friday twelve noon before Friday twelve noon. Should I say to be eligible to play for this game week weekend? So um, be interesting if he is. Uh, talked out if he is in the panel if he is in, in the squad which to be honest with you I probably doubt he will be either way uh, I suppose it will give an insight as to when he was signed but really doesn't matter because he signed for the year and I, I suppose as I'm saying this I'm kind of pinching myself and I'm kind of going Neil what the hell why are you even discussing this because realistically speaking it doesn't matter when he was signed he's here for however many years we want to keep him and however many years he, he, um, he performs for the club so one game ain't going to kill him and it's not going to kill us either. So, yeah, uh, yeah but I'm looking forward to seeing what he, what he does. I think uh done an awful lot more looking into him and we've spoken about him an awful lot. And I think that the fact that he played as a um, 
he was playing more as a kind of right winger the last few last year in Leon didn't really suit him he had to be a small bit more disciplined and I know I've said I've spoken previously about wingers that need to be disciplined playing for our club but um I think with our full proper midfield back in action I think with Jack being um with Jack probably being pushed to the left a small bit more and Ollie Watkins I just seem to have this unwavering faith in him for some strange reason I'm probably going to come back and bite me in the arse I think that we can have a bit of a maverick a bit of an unpredictability a bit of a pace merchant on the right hand side and even looking at all the statistical breakdowns and analysis for Bertrand Traore um, the discipline would stop when he's passing as opposed to his defensive duties. So from that point of view, and looking at all the statistical makeup of him, looking at Smarter Scout, looking at Y Scout, looking at StatBomb, all this, his, his defensive work actually seems to be very good, and he seems to get stuck into it, kind of unlike what we maybe would have in, in maybe an Alvaro Gazi. And without getting on the, oh God, we're down and I'm our Gazi boss again, because we're not. And this is just comparing apples with apples here. I think this, uh, if he is coming in, he's probably coming in to play in that right inside forward position as opposed to in, as opposed to right winger. And I think he's going to be more suited to that because he can track back a small bit better if Dean Smith wants him to do that. But I think that he's going to be deployed far further up front to utilize his pace, his trickery and his unpredictability um, and to kind of more or less take the, the onus off Jack to be the provider, provider, the provider so that himself and Watkins can be an out ball with a longer ball. And we do know that Tyrone Mings likes to play those longish balls. So I think he's going to be a better fit from that point of view. Whether we see him on Monday night is another thing. I think we'll definitely see him on the Thursday night. And uh, all in all, look, the tea leaves tend to look okay for him. Whether he's going to be that marquee, that brilliant signing that we're all hoping for. Only time will tell that, I suppose, really. Yeah, it's. Um, I know he didn't have a particularly good season last season, but you don't become a bad footballer overnight. No. We've said that many times about players. Um you know, he showed great promise as a kid. He played with big clubs. He, he was with John Terry at Chelsea. He was mm-hmm. with Ajax, with Leon. You know, so these are clubs that are, are chasing Champions League football every year. He was with so, uh, Anwar Gazi at Ajax. He was with Mavis Nakambia at, at Vitesse Arnhem. You know, so it's not as if these guys don't He's not have completely long. unfamiliar with, with, with who we have either, you know. Yeah. So. And, and and like these guys are going to come in and say like oh Jesus he's a complete nut of bollocks or whatever they're not like they're going to tell the manager that they're going to like the manager is probably is obviously going to go to them and say hey lads look you know we might be trying to sign this guy or he's going to reach out to talk to these people and to see what way the club is and conversely the club is going to do their due diligence there so when people talk about absolutely I, there, there seems to be a narrative from French football that he's not a nice person I don't know where that comes from because I've not seen it anywhere else I think it just comes from Raymond Dominic's, um uh, piece that he did in him and I don't know how Dominic would know him at all considering yes I know Dominic played and, and I think he managed Leon for, for a period of time but yeah, yeah. he is a fractious type of man himself you know I'm sure if you were to ask a lot of a lot of players that played under Dominic did they like him they'd say no we won stuff under him but didn't particularly like him or wouldn't particularly be reaching out to him you know for a friendly phone call yeah. at any stage but look as I say um it's it's horses for courses. Like Leon didn't have a good league, good season last year. Um, everybody's stats were down. Bar the the Champions League run, as I said, they finished seventh in a two horse race. Really, it should have been themselves and PSG, and they ended up finishing seventh. So uh, 
yeah, they've they've a bit of rebuilding to do, and I think by selling somebody who would have been a, um, you know, let's let's call a spade a spade. They've got four attacking options that they have up there. Uh, they can, Musa Dembele can't even make uh, the team for them because they've got four good yep. options up there. You know, their fifth one, if if someone was offering us twenty million for Trezeguet, we'd take it. You know, and whereas we'd say, yeah, look, he was. He was this and he was that. He kept us up last year. And look, as I say, if we get some goals from him and we get p- progressive performances throughout the course of the year and that bit of unpredictability, like, like, uh, kind of like what um, Newcastle got from Anansa Maxim last year in the latter half of the year, I'm not yeah. fully sold on him. Just like I'm sure by the end of the year, I'll probably say Bertrand Schroer was good in fits and starts. Um, but if we get something like that from him in the pace department, in the trickery department, and that unpredictability, it just gives the other teams something to have to, to game plan for and to look out for, I think, which is what we're sorely missing, especially a team that's so heavily driven by Jack Grealish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is, a, the, I suppose, the, the overriding thing about him seems to be his unpredictability, which is great. Um, I suppose it's, a, it's the one thing you can say about Jack too, where, you know, the, way, the ways and means in which he can take you on and take the ball down and go past you is very unpredictable. So to have, you know, we don't know what the what the long term plan is if they're going to bring someone in on the on the left hand side to to move Jack infield. It um it just gives us other options. Um, go, come back to I wonder did Al Ghazi give him a a a, a great response when he asked was he coming in because no doubt it's going to be him that misses yeah, out. Yeah, when it, when he uh, when he is ready to play, and as you said, it probably will be Thursday before we see him, um, just to give him those couple of days training with the with the team to 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 bed into the um, to the formation that and and the style of play that we're in, um, presuming that he hasn't signed early Friday, so we, we we're not privy to all that, so I'm sure we'll find out tomorrow. Exactly. Um, but it, you know, it's just an, it's another you know reason to be hopeful. It's a, it's an exciting signing, um. I believe we get the best out of them. I've done. I've no reason not to believe that, um, and we've got to be positive about it. You know, you could you could read till the cows come home people's opinions, and we're giving our own opinions here. But mm. the opinion of Raymond Dominic wouldn't be one that I would uh, take too seriously. Yeah, yeah. As I say, I don't know. Was Dominic the guy that Ezra or um, Evra held almost the players' coup against in the World Cup that time? Was Dominic their manager at that stage? I think it might it have, would been. have been, wouldn't it? Yeah, it was, that was in the South Africa. When Thierry Henry handled the ball to, to eliminate us. Yeah. So that would mean he was the, the World Cup manager. So, yeah. Yeah. That would yeah. make sense. Mm, yeah. No, it's, it's uh, as I say, look, uh, just have abiding memories of damage not being, uh, being, being a bit mad. But uh, look, as I say, he's a good football manager. Good football manager. Look, as I say, he brought put uh, France back on the footballing map from an international mm. standpoint as well. So we can't really, um, can't really uh, quibble quibble with him on that point. But yeah, as I say, uh, we may see Tr- Bur- uh, Bertrand Traore uh, on Monday night. We may not, but as I say, he's here for the next couple of years, and um, no point rushing him and him getting a niggle or something like that on Monday night if he isn't if he isn't right. And looking, I suppose, to flip it over for for a moment, we'll come back to talk about maybe team setups that we're going to have for for uh, Villa on Monday night. But let's have a quick little preview and look at the actual Sheffield United team. We've had a chance to see them in action against Wolves. They conceded two goals early on. Two un-Sheffield United-like goals to concede. They're coming off a bad 10-game um, stretch after lockdown. Uh, the temptation is to turn around and say that 
that teams have had time to look at Sheffield United and find them out and see what way they're going. They spent big in January. They brought in people like Sander Berger. Um, they brought in, gosh, my my head is like a sieve at the moment. They brought in, uh, I can't think of his name. Can't think of his name. Who else they brought in? But they brought in some 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 players in uh, in January. Yeah, so uh, Ollie McBurney. They brought in McBurney. They brought Ollie in... McBurney, um, yeah. Yeah, things like that, players like that. They're probably in other people. I just my head is gone. Ethan Ampadu has just joined as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ethan Ampadu just joined this year as well, and they've brought in obviously Ramsdale, goalkeeper. Now, I while I like Ramsdale, we were we were linked with him um, for a period of time this off season. He conceded a lot of goals for Bournemouth last year, and I know you're only as good as the defence that's in front of you. But he started off this year by conceding two goals as well, like Aaron Ramsdale. Um, they spent bones of twenty million on him. We're going to see what happens with him uh, over the course of uh, over the course of the game on Monday. They also have a new right and left back. They they basically bought uh, Derby's right and left back, and and they bought a guy by the name of Jaden Bogle, who when we played against Derby in the championship, it's somebody that we really really targeted, and El Ghazi targeted him heavily. Um, he was a right back. Now, saying that he was only 18, just gone 19, I think, at the time, and we targeted him heavily. Very good going forward. Uh, I think he might have actually even got sent off against us in one of the games. I'm not quite sure. Um, but he does tend to have the yips when it comes to defending. And uh, very, very lauded, very highly lauded from myself. When I look at him, I think there's a, there's a, a mistake in him quite, quite often. They also signed Max Lowe, the left back. I don't know too much about Max Lowe. I haven't looked into him. They've... Um, They've signed Ishmael Koulibaly um, from uh, Sarpsborg 08 in the Norwegian leagues. And also they've, they've strengthened up their uh, goalkeeping uh, rotation as well as Fotheringham. And I think somebody that's going to be a decent enough signing for them is, do you remember Oliver Burke? When playing with, playing with Nottingham Forest, everyone thought he was going to be the next... Gareth Bale, I think, is what he was being. It was the Scottish Gareth Bale that they were they were talking yeah, about. He, he spent a bit of time at Celtic, so that's why I'm so familiar with him. Yeah, and he's um, did he go to Leipzig as well, or be Leipzig or somewhere? Did he go out foreign for a while? I think he might have. Ali Burke. Um, yeah. He ended up anyway at West Brom for a period of time, and now he's uh, he's he's now ended up in. Um, now ended up in in Sheffield as well. Sheffield, but yeah, done the rounds with Leipzig and uh, Deportivo Alaves as well. So mm. he's been around. He, he didn't get a he didn't get a run in uh, the 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 Wolves game either. And I'm not expecting much change to be honest. I think the, they're with the exception of Ramsdale. I think that's the the team that they have. You know, um, post lockdown, they didn't change it at all last week. Um, they were solid enough after going two 0 down early on. They they did get it together, um, but the two goals obviously killed them. You know, I expect them to line up the the same way as they have done, um, all along with the two wing backs in Baldock and Stevens. Um, Ramsdale, I'd say, will be the only inclusion, mm. um, unless well, you, you don't know, like McBurney hasn't been the best signing for them yet. He hasn't scored many goals. Um, you know, they played Billy Sharp last yeah. week. Ever because his, uh, his, his goal-scoring record has been quite good throughout the years. And they have the likes of David McGoldrick, who will get you the odd goal, but uh, not prolific enough for me. Um, 
but I'm not uh, I'm not expecting much change from from what they had against Wolves, with the exception maybe they'll play McGoldrick instead of Billy Sharp. That's that would be my prediction. But uh, everything else will 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 still be the same. Hmm. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see Matty Cash up against uh, Ender Stevens. Not that Ender Stevens is a fantastic player, but he's in a fantastic system for what he does. Getting the ball out to the wings early, they get early crosses in. They try and keep things very, very, um, very, very fluid and try to keep things moving as quick as possible. I'm really mm. looking forward to seeing Matty Cash because, like as I say, we've seen very little of him because we haven't had a lot of preseason games. I'm re- he's he's probably the player I'm looking forward to seeing the most, and him up against yeah. Ender Stevens. If he can pin Ender Stevens back, um, Ender Stevens is one of those that I think we, we let go too early. Um, I think he. I think he's proved to be quite a decent uh, fullback in in the Premier League. So, um, you know, I, I'd be a big fan of his. I've been obviously when a player comes to Aston Villa, you kind of follow their career. But he has, you know, he's been more or less ever present since since he joined Sheffield United. So, um. He put it like the the game we the first game after restart when we played them he was he was absolutely super that day, um. So, do you think they'll play Maddie Cash? I think they will. What's what you're thinking on it? I yeah. I, I think you have to play Maddie Cash. Spent eighteen mm. million on him. I think you have to play him. <laughs> I think you have to play him. Um. So, yeah. Uh. Like like it's it's it like let's just say you don't play Maddie Cash. And uh, Villa come out with a nil all draw. What's the first question that's going to be asked? Well, why did you spend 18 million on right back? They've got no strikers. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's for me, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's a thing where they have to play him. I think he'll be absolutely fine. I'm not saying that he won't be able to keep uh, Ender Stevens quiet. I'm not as high in Ender Stevens as you are. Just because someone has been ever present doesn't mean make me feel any better about them. He was found out. He was caught out an awful lot in the running um, after they played us as well himself. And they just didn't get the same fluidity going against West Ham last week. Um, you know, they conceded two goals, mm. was, uh, two goals from, from, I think both of them were from crosses, if I'm not mistaken. Um, definitely the... Um, the goal from Sice was, I would imagine, was a cross. I can't really remember even what that goal looked like. But um, I don't know even know what side they come from. But they're very are they are very um, dependent on Stevens and Baldock. Baldock particularly to to um, provide from those wide wide places. And I think that's why they play Sharp and McBurney because while they have a pretty fast flowing um, and and high pressing kind of tempo about them, they do play. Uh, lower league game about getting the ball into the box and causing consternation and trying to get onto the flick-ons and the and the, uh, the drop balls and stuff like that that happen inside there. Um, they've got a very mobile back three as well, which allows them to do that. John Egan, I really like, like him at international level for Ireland as well. Uh, Basham was somebody who we were interested in as well. I think when he was with Brentford, and once again, surprise, surprise, we were interested in the Brentford surprise. player. And uh, Jack O'Connell, who... Um, who is highly thought of as well, you know, in there in the back three. But I don't hold any fear for Sheffield United. That's not to say that I think we'll win easy. I just don't fear them, if that makes sense. Because you look at their team, and I know John Fleck did a number on us last year. And I know that we did a number on them with the um, with the ghost goal last year as well. But And and, and the, the media are going to make something about that. They're going to make a big deal out of that, as in that there must be a rivalry because we fucked them over because we did something wrong when we actually didn't, you know. Um, but I don't fear Ali McBurney. I don't fear Billy Sharp. Um, 
I should. Well, I would yeah. if Billy Sharp was seven or eight years younger. Like, I did fear Billy Sharp in the championship when we played him because he was bloody yeah. outstanding. He did a job on that day, that's for sure. Yeah, and he, he was three years old. The Nyland's hands? Yes. Yeah. Picked it with the, the sole of his, with the studs up, took it yeah. out of his hands. No, no media complaining that day. No. <laughs> no. I, I think they'll probably start McGoldrick, as you say, instead there. I think they'll try and move Tyrone Mings and Ezri Kanza about the place. But I'm a bit more assured of our back four this year. And I think it will be that the back four will be Matty Cash. It will be Cash, Kanza, uh, Mings and Target. And I think uh, our, our midfield, we will see, like we didn't have Jack, or we didn't have... John McGinn against Sheffield United last day and huge, huge, huge uh, loss for Aston Villa. It's, it's actually insurmountable. The, the loss that, Jack, that John McGinn was to us in those games that we missed him. Like the team just couldn't tick with it without him at all. And I think we're going to see a bang on John McGinn tomorrow night. And I'm going back at him as I'm going back at him for any time goal scorer because <laughs> I think he's going to come out there like a wasp and he's going yeah. to absolutely buzz around the field and he's going to be fantastic. Um, interesting to see if Conor Horan gets a get gets a start. Uh, interesting to see what they do overall. Do they play Trezeguet and, and El Ghazi on the wings? Do they put Jack back in the middle? Do they start Dolly Watkins up front? You know, it's going to be really, really interesting to see what they do. Everything after the back after mm. the back five, including goalkeeper, I think is going to be really interesting because we're going to see a debut in goals as well with Emmy Martin. As I think we see Matty Karch, and then I think we see McGinn, Douglas, Louise, and I have no idea who we see after that. Bar Jack is going to play somewhere, <laughs> you know, yeah. and Ali Watkins is going I, to play I have play a feeling somewhere. it'll be the team that played against uh, Manu last week, with the exception of Martin is playing in goal. I think the back four will, will be, as you say, um, I thought Maddie Cash was a bit raw against Manu. He was like, uh, you know, a puppy that's been let out, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's been cooked up for a few days and was let out. He was just like a Jorcel bunny, but he was caught in the headlights a little bit a couple of times and they, they attacked down that side for that reason that they spotted. He was very jumpy and getting caught out of position. So um, that's the only reason I said earlier, you know, would you start Maddie Cash? Is he ready? You know, when's he going to be ready? You have to pay him. If they're going mm-hmm. to, as you say, to play 18 million, they probably will play him. Um, I can see the midfield being McGinn, Louise, Horahan, and I would imagine it would be El Ghazi that misses out and Trezeguet will start with uh, with Watkins and Jack. That would be the team that I would pick. Um, unless if Bertrand Traore did sign in time, which we don't know, I'd throw him in there <laughs> just for the unpredictable uh, element of it to, to start with because he has to give you as much, if not more, than, than Trezeguet or El Ghazi are going to give you. So... Why not throw him in there if he if he's if he was signed in time? But if we don't see him tomorrow, we'll definitely see him on Thursday just to see what he's yeah. about anyway. Um, I would be the opposite. I would say even if he is is signed, I he'd be my change of pace player that I screamed about for the last ten games of last season. He is my change of pace player tomorrow because you know if you want to bring in somebody who's familiar tactically and so on, and and it, remember you're going to be playing him the right hand side if you're playing Matty Cash behind him. Mm-hmm. You know, um, for me, I'm, and if you do have any any uh, thoughts on, on whether Cash is ready or not, I would be playing um, somebody in front of him, like Trezeguet, I think I would play in front of him. Because for all the, for the ill will that Trezeguet gets, he tracks back. I know he may not, he, you know, he may not have all the pace in the world and stuff like that, but he's as willing as anybody else in the field. And um, 
you know, if he just had a better a better kind of close control of the ball when he gets dribbling with it, um, I think that we, we'd see him in a better light. But uh, I would probably start Trezeguet there. I'd bring Bertrand Traore off the bench because, um, as I say, you can be unpredictable when you're 2-0 up. Uh, in the last 10 minutes, and that's what I would be hoping. Um, I really, really want to see how this team, to see this, the defensive work that this team put in the last 10 games, does that carry over? Do we see that? I literally, I, I swear, I, I pull my toenails out of the shitty penalty decisions given against this team and they defend well, if they, and they defend well, um, because... Like, you even see it in the last couple of days. There's been some rotten penalty decisions. Like, Lindelof's, that was not a penalty. As good and all as I was, you know, <laughs> as I was kind of uh, happy to see a, a dodgy one given against United, it just wasn't a penalty. Um, even today, I saw a replay of Anand St. Maxim's penalty. Yes, he comes from the wrong side. He catches Lamptey first, gets the ball, though. I bet you if that was uh, Harry Maguire making that tackle, there'd be a different uh, conversation. If it was a defender that made it as opposed to a right winger that's known for his mm-hmm. attacking capability, yeah. I, I bet you there's a different thought process in it. The hand in the back from um, Joe, Bar- Joe Bryan uh, on, um, on Bamford, yes, by the letter of the law, was a penalty. It was a penalty, but like, I'd be absolutely spitting fire if my defender did that like, and it was given as a penalty. Because uh, Patrick Bamford, so you know he's going to go down very easily. So you just don't put your hand on him. You don't exactly, yeah. You don't you don't put your hand yeah. on, on anyone. Like it, the defender was wrong to do what he did, but when you see it, you're like you're going, oh, if that wasn't VAR, that wouldn't be a penalty. He'd be told get up mm. and dust himself down. It was minimal contact, but it was contact. It was a penalty again, and I'd be spitting fire tomorrow if there's yeah. if there's and a dodgy let's face it, decision. if that was Watkins tomorrow, I'd be disappointed if he didn't go down either. Because oh yeah, this 100%. is the, this is the way it's gone. This is you football, know, though. In, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, you have to play them at their own game because it's the, it's the cheating that gets you there, unfortunately, in, in, in a small element of it. But yeah. I don't mind the unusual decisions. Like there was a handball. Oh, the Leeds one, was it? A hand was up quite yeah. high. Yeah. And, and I thought, well, they're complaining, but yet they wanted the law clarified. And the law clarifies, you know, the ball's going towards goal. It hits your hand in an unnatural yeah. position. It's a penalty. Yeah. Of all of them, I didn't see any problem with that one. But there was, you know, they were surrounding the referee, were, you know, There's I just don't tons, And I think, look, I think the clarification is wanted by all fans and by everybody. But sometimes now what they've done is, like, you look at Brighton's game, Brighton against Newcastle as well today. Like, for me as well, the laws have been confounded. And we're back to talking about VAR again, and we're not, we mm-hmm. haven't even played a game. Like, Neil Mopé's second goal for Brighton today. Just saw it. Like, yes, Trossard wasn't offside, but Neil Mopé gets a massive advantage from starting his starting position being a good 10 yards offside. Uh, sorry, well, not sorry, not 10 yards offside. The two center halves let him run past everybody. He would run past everybody. The ball doesn't initially go to him in the, in the first phase, so he's not offside. Trossard picks up the ball. His toe may have been offside. It wasn't. He runs down. Mopé is... Five yards, six yards, seven yards past either of the centre halves. But the centre halves have left him go there because he's running into an offside position, which he was when Trossard gets the ball. So the second Trossard gets the ball, this guy is now active in active play. So for me, that is ridiculous because he just squares it to, Lam- to, to Maupe, who puts it in the bed. But the reason that La- Maupe has an advantage is because the two centre halves, they kept their line that were fantastic. And, 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 and the right back that, that was at the left back that was marking uh, Trossard, he was still past him as well. So mm. 
he's he's clearly gained an advantage from this. It's it's like it's almost for me. It's like in Formula One when somebody's trying to overtake you, you go over a chicane in in Monaco, and the next thing, all of a sudden, you come out in front of them, and it's like, hey. You know, they, they get penalized for that. This is exactly the same. He took a wrong route to get to where he wanted. He became active again. He got an, he got a, an advantage from it. And there's nothing against Neil Mope. And I know that he's public enemy number one it's, at times. But the laws, what's happening is the laws, when we look for clarification for laws, you can draw as many fucking lines as you want from Trossard's toe. You can do that as many times as you want. The essence of this goal came from when the ball was square to Neil Mope. He had a massive advantage from being in an offside position. That we put that the law now by being over overly clarified has stated that he wasn't interfering with play when the first ball was played. Yet, as the two Newcastle United centre halves, when he began to interfere with play, when he put it in the back of the net, but they could never get to him because he had a six or seven yard head start. Rant over. Um, <laughs> it's just it's over clarification of many, laws. We're going to have many more rants like this over the year, mm. um, and it probably will take another while to get this right but you know the law is an ass we asked we asked for a level playing field and if this is how we're going to get it that's the way it has to be um you know we all all we want is to be given the same decisions as everyone else and even earlier there you mentioned if, if harry Maguire had to put in that challenge it wouldn't have been a penalty and you're probably right mm-hmm. so these are the kind of kind of things that the, the the fa need to eradicate from the game you know Bruno or Bruno Fernandez got a free kick yeah. yesterday. Oh it's my god! Ridiculous. You're just thinking, if that's Jack Grealish that does that, the, the papers would be full of him diving and everything. But because mm. it's Man United's new blue-eyed boy, you know, it's it's not even mentioned. They didn't even mention it on match of the day, and I was just dumbstruck because it was yeah. one of the worst dives I'd ever seen. Yeah, and I've seen he got, caught, he got caught in the toe, but everyone was saying, Oh, James McCarthy went out of his way to stamp on him. Now, here we go, right? So, so the time that Bruno Fernandez had, was in control of the ball doing a spin against Aston Villa to get his penalty, mm-hmm. um, and and our guy just stands, stands his ground essentially, bounces into Bruno Fernandez. But Bruno Fernandez was in control of the ball, and at that stage, it wasn't a problem to give a penalty because, uh, and you guys can't see this, I'm doing quotation marks, was in control of the ball, yet he was spinning around the top of the ball on the edge of our area. Uh, Esri Concert comes in, pulls out, doesn't make any contact with the player, the player jumps into him, penalty Man United. In this instance, Jack, James McCarthy in control of the ball, doing a spin, makes contact with another player who jumps up in the air and lets out a scream, and he's in the wrong. So where is the, the clarity of the rules there? One was in the penalty area, one was outside the penalty area, both the same players roles, both the same player was involved, but roles reversed. I'd just like to see a small bit of clarity. Like the first thing that came to everybody's mind on social media was Bruno Fernandez against Aston Villa. It was mentioned a million and one times, not just by my Villa support mates, but for by everybody. It was the first thing that was mentioned. And the, the, go, the, the referee didn't have the clarity of mind, didn't have the, the thought process to say, well, there's a precedent for this type of, of foul. So if the player is in control of the ball, makes contact with another player, it's, uh, in that instance, it was a penalty. In this instance, it's a free the opposite way. Crazy decision in my mind. Crazy decision. And argue with that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I hope, I hope, I hope tomorrow, you know, their first match back and everyone has a two-game head start. But that's the way it feels. I know we'll we'll be one game behind by tomorrow night. But it's. Uh, I just hope we're not talking about a decision like that or the last time mm. we played them when Nyland took the ball over the line. Yeah. Just 
good clean game because I think I think we've got enough there to to take them on this time. I think I think we were the better side. Um, I think we were set up a whole lot better given what we did in the run in and how disjointed they were in the run in. So I'm, I'm predicting that we get three points tomorrow. I'll be hopeful we get three points tomorrow, and if we don't, I'll be disappointed. <laughs> Well, the the key to, key to victory with them is very very is very easy. There's 38 games um, sample set for last year. In that 38 game sample set, their heat map was heavily focused to the right hand side of the field. George Ballock taking the ball from the right hand side of the field, and John Lundstrom cutting inside maybe to to create uh, that that um, more holding midfielder. Ollie Norwood mm-hmm. coming out to this right hand side as well. Ollie Norwood starts more centrally, but he does come out to the right hand side. If you can nullify the right-hand side for Sheffield United, you will get uh, results. It's like the, the sample set is there. Chris Wilder is, is uh, a good tactician. He's a good manager. He, he seems to want to talk about Aston Villa an awful lot. He seems to have got Tony Pulisitis or something like that recently. He seems to see us as, a, as, a, as, as the reason why he can't get players for some strange reason. It's, it's mad. He's even accused us of... I don't know, it, was, it sounded like me that he accused us of robbing their list of players, um, like as if he has some divine right to sign players. But it's a really strange one. I don't have any in will to him. I just think he's talking a small bit mental, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, really strange one. He's mentioned this he a couple the, um, of times, and name-checked Aston Villa a couple of times yeah. as if we're his, like, we got to beat them for some strange reason. I don't know. He has a tendency to to lose the plot a bit in some of some of the things that he says. Um, Shoots from actually, the hip. I, I like him. I don't mind him. I just I just don't know what the fascination with Villa is. Yeah, mm. I don't I don't know where the man is from, but I remember was it the three all game when Andre Green scored the header mm-hmm. in injury time. Um, I remember a guy telling me that he actually thought that uh, Wilder was a Villa fan. So. That might be where the fascination is coming from. He's from. So, he's born in. It, it may or may not be true. Whoever Stocksbridge is when it's at home, it is. Yeah, South Yorkshire. South Yorkshire. So chances are he's probably not a villa. Well, you wouldn't know. There's plenty of Yorkshire uh, villa fans, but um, maybe he was a villa fan while Sheffield United were in the the doldrums. <laughs> yeah, I wonder did he play with uh, with Dean Smith at Walsall? He was on loan at Walsall for four games. Maybe he did. Maybe he did. I don't know. Possibly. I don't know. Um, but what's your what's your overarching view? What do you what you be happy with tomorrow night? Nothing less than a win. Nothing less than a win. I I really think we're on the crest of a wave here. So, you know, I expect I expect us to maybe concede one, but I, I'm going for three uh, one. That's my expectation of tomorrow. I like that. I've got Ali Watkins starting a striker in my fantasy league team. And, Me too. Uh, yeah, I. <laughs> the I bad just, news is I took out Harry Kane, who had four assists today. Jeez, oh, <laughs> I well I've Zaha on my bench and Deli Ali, but Zaha is like my I don't know why everyone is my third sub. I've got yeah, what's your man's name? Willie Bolly and um, can't remember who that other defender is that I have in front of him. So like Luda <laughs> Zaha, see me seeing Zaha seventeen points is going to be uh, going to be slim, I think. But uh, I've got Ali Watkins up front and. Um, I just believe in him. I don't know what it is. It's not. To, I'm not wavering because of the fee. Um, he's not like you got to think for. It. He's not that sparkling name. He's not a a, a, a stag Collymore for boy. We're all going. Yeah. yeah, we're going to win the league. You know because of him. But I get the impression too that there's not much pressure on him. You know, yes, and, I get that too. 
it's just like he's there. He's going to score goals. He's going to create goals. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. And there's no like, but what if he doesn't? I, I don't believe there is, you know, that anyone's doubting his ability at all, which is great. Um, I hope, hope it stays that way for, for many, many uh, seasons. But, and I, um, I think that he's, I don't, I think that he comes across as the kind of smiley guy that doesn't put pressure on himself either, which makes that easier too. Yeah. Um, he, seems like I, that, he seems to come across that way. I think that Jack puts pressure on himself. Uh, I think that he is harsh on himself and uh, I think that he wants to be known as being absolutely fantastic. I think Ollie Watkins is living the dream. Uh, well, that's unfair because Jack is living the dream too, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like Ollie Watkins is like, he's just, he's, his self-confidence is there. He doesn't put enough pressure on himself. If it comes to me, I just need to know I've got to put it in the back of the net. And if it doesn't come to me, well, then I've got to work harder to get the ball back. I think he's kind of like a very workman-like mentality whereby like you look at a Jamie Vardy who doesn't, um, doesn't put pressure on himself or stuff like that. Uh, yeah. And I think that the lower leagues has really instilled that uh, you're only as good as your last game type um Type uh, yeah. mentality in and Ali Watkins, you know, they were. Like he will, he will, no doubt, have games where he's ineffective, where we just can't mm. get the ball into the positions where he's going to score goals. But I feel if we get the if we get the ball into that triangle between the six-yard box and the penalty spot, he's going to score goals, left foot, right foot, headers, whatever the case may be, wherever it lands, and he'll back himself to score, and he will score. So, um. I've absolutely no concerns about him playing up front. I just hope that we can we can deliver the balls that he he can like we saw the the ball from Trezeguet was fan, the ball from Jack to Trezeguet Trezeguet to, to the goal against Man United was fantastic. Mm. So more of that, please create the space for yeah. for the wingers to get the ball into the box, and no doubt he'll either score the tap in, score the diving headers, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, twenty six goals last season with no penalties, no free kicks. I think I think we've got a natural born goal scorer in our hands. We've just got to feed him. Exactly. As you say, 26 goals and they were broken down pretty evenly. 11 with his right, 7 with his... 11 with his right, 7 with his left, 8 with his head. You know, that's mm. what you want. That's what you want, the spread of goals whereby he can he can get it in the back of the net no matter how it comes to him. And that goal against Man United was pretty indicative of how he plays. He doesn't get that space in the box only for Jack switching the play and the early cross from Trezeguet. So that's what is me... Um, excited that he to see him go to the back post and not to the front post and run across Harry Maguire. The fact that he goes right, I'm going to take a gamble at going back here because if I run across Harry Maguire and he gets a nudge in me and I'm off balance, I'm going to put it wide or I'm going to fall flat in my face, not going to get a penalty. Whereas if I let Harry Maguire clear it and I go to the back post, um, we're still going to have the same outcome. But if Harry Maguire misses it, I've got to tap in at the back post, and he got his header, and uh, that's what that's why I like his movement. There's a there's a taking a chance by trying to get in front of the player, or there's taking a chance of being smart by trying to get behind the player too, and uh, that's unpredictability as well, you know. So that the next time Harry Maguire is wondering, Ollie Watkins is running with me, he's not going to try and outmuscle me. Where the hell is he going? Does he know something I don't know from the cross from from Trezeguet or where he wants to where Trezeguet wants to put the ball? So. Looking forward to that. Absolutely looking forward to that as well. Um, I think that's going to do it, Paddy. I think I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to a win tomorrow too. And uh, yeah. hopefully we can get that win. Score um, prediction? Uh, I got 2-0. I think we're going to keep a clean sheet. Fuck it, why not? Uh, <laughs> why not? It's uh, it's it's one of those things that look we either will or we won't. I'm not going to lose too much sleep about it. As long as we get a win, we get a win, uh, and and that's all I'm worried about. Um, any final thoughts before we leave it there, Paddy? No, just as I said, it's like Christmas Eve. I'm really looking forward to it now. It's uh, I know it was only a short break since the last season, but uh, 
feels like forever because of the temporary lockdown that we're still in here and yeah. not not a whole pile left to do. But uh, good timing for a first game to be uh, to be on the night that the wet pubs are allowed open in Ireland. So yeah. uh, I shall uh, I shall have a, a couple of points <laughs> watching the game. So I'm looking forward to it with the Munster Lions lads in Limerick. Exactly, and you're more you're more than entitled to it at this stage. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, guys, thanks a million for listening. As as always, to everybody, please share the podcast around. We love, you know, if anyone can retweet, uh, like and retweet on Twitter. It really does us huge, huge amounts of favor. I love the interaction that everybody gives, and um, you know, it's 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 just great to see uh, everybody interacting with the podcast. Really, really enjoy it. Any five star ratings as well on on uh, iTunes really pushes us up the algorithm. We're only two guys here doing it for the love of the actual game itself and love of the team. So. Um, you know, anything like that that can push us up the algorithms is good. It's not as if we're going to get paid for it or anything. It's just nice to kind of connect with other fans. That's really all we're looking to do. Um, as I say, you can follow Paddy on at Paddy on Twitter. You can follow me on at Love McGrath Pod. And as I say, please share it far and wide. Looking forward to Monday night. Looking forward to the new shape to Aston Villa and to a new season to see what it brings. And all that's left to say is up the Villa. The Villa. Podcast Network.